Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest today is Wade Swickle. Wade, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, looking forward to this. I don't I don't believe we've ever done a deep dive on the moving industry, so this is exciting. Wade's going to share his inspirational story, how he got to be a, so, a business owner, which included starting his moving company while he was still in college with just $600 and growing it into what he is now, which is a multi-million dollar business owner offering franchises in the movie industry, moving, movie, moving industry. <laughs> <laughs> it can seem like a movie sometimes, but a moving industry. Uh, and so we're talking about those opportunities. He's got a lot of experience there to share. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode and how you can continue supporting my show and receive discounts and join my group coaching sessions uh, through a Patreon membership, just visit thehowabusiness.com. Also, wherever you're listening to the show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. So let me tell you a bit more about Wade. Wade Swickel is the founder and CEO of Two College Brothers Moving and Storage and Franchising. As I mentioned, they're offering franchises now. We'll explore that on this conversation. He's also the host of his own podcast show, Grow Your Moving Company Podcast, and the co-founder of Moving Titans Retreats. We'll explore what that is and how he offers educational and learning opportunities through those retreats. Wade's an entrepreneur, uh, or his entrepreneurial adventure rather began over a decade ago, as I alluded to, when as a student at the University of Florida, he embarked on the path to create his own moving company with just $600 in a pickup truck. Against all odds, as he'll share some of those obstacles, he transformed these humble beginnings into a multi-million dollar business with multiple locations. Wade lives in the St. Petersburg, Florida area. So once again, Wade Swickle, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Hopefully I can help somebody that's on their business journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And the inspiration is also part of it. So I'd, I'd like to start there. What just tell us briefly that story of your, you, what were you studying at, at UF at the time? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur kind of ever since even childhood high school, I was always looking for little creative ways to, to make some extra money. You know, I worked a lot of different odd jobs, uh, from the time I was 15 all the way through college. I played actually a year of college baseball, uh, my freshman year at a small school. And then I transferred to the, to the university of Florida and, uh, joined a fraternity, you know, kind of, Gave up, hung up, hung up the cleats, and just kind of, I lost kind of a little bit of that competitive edge, and, and I felt like something was missing because baseball had been so much of my identity for so long. You know, of course, in addition to running little side businesses here and there, but um, I, uh, I started. You know, I came home from school one summer. It was probably the summer. 2009, 2010. And I needed to find a job. My dad said that you're going to be working this summer to pay that, uh, that tuition for that <laughs> freshman year. Cause it was a private school that I played at and it was pretty expensive. Nice. And so, uh, yeah, so I, 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 you know, applied to probably 30 places that summer and I, was not getting any calls back. I briefly had like a two week job at a jet ski rental place and they were super slow and they just didn't have the hours to, to give me. And uh, my dad said, Hey, you know, I have a friend that works down at the mall. If you want to go fold clothes all summer in a, in the back room of a department store. And it's like, that's the last thing I want to do this summer. <laughs> uh, my friends are all going to the beach and having fun. So I, uh, you know, 
I, I had to get a little creative. So I posted an ad online on Craigslist. Actually, I said, uh, young college athletes looking for any kind of general labor. And I would get calls to mow yards and I was helping out a handyman and doing some carpet cleaning and just random stuff. But I started to get a lot of calls to help people load and unload U-Haul trucks. And we were still kind of in the middle of the recession. It was shortly after like the housing crash of 2008. So uh, people were trying to save money anywhere they could. And a lot of people didn't want to hire a a full service professional moving company. They were just looking for shortcuts and they were running trucks and just hiring casual labor. And um, I I loved it. Like the moving, you know, compared to all those other small jobs was a lot of fun. I wanted to be active. I was in really good shape at the time. I still try to stay in good shape, but um, people love the idea of hiring a college student to help them load and unload furniture. And sometimes I would get my, my brother, my friends to come help me out on jobs. And I, the first job I ever did, I charged $10 an hour for my mm-hmm. services. And then I was like, maybe I could charge 12. So I just started <laughs> charging $12 and then started to get greedy and I charged $15 an hour. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was great. I could set my own schedule. I could go to the beach on days where my friends were going to the beach. I could, uh, you know, kind of work if I felt like working, if I wanted to save up for something, I'd work a little bit more and people would buy me lunch. They'd usually give me a tip and I had a pickup truck too. So sometimes I'd get calls to help people move small pieces of furniture. And then when I transferred to the university of Florida, I still needed a job. So I was like, well, let's see if I can do this thing up here. And uh, my company was originally called smarter moving solutions. Mm -hmm. And I uh, filed my LLC and I thought that was it. I got a business license um, with the city I thought I was a moving company and uh, I, a competitor, uh, another moving company had reached out and said, Hey, you need a license and insurance and you need all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, geez. Like, he's like, you could get, you know, a $5,000 fine. Wow. And, uh, you, you know, didn't get, know any of that trouble. at that point. No. So I was like, Oh, maybe I don't really have a legitimate business just yet. He's like, you can come work for me. I'll pay you $15 an hour. So I was like, Oh, okay. That's what I charge. So, um, so I went and worked for another moving company for, for a little while and, you know, still enjoyed it. You know, it was tough work some days it's heavy, heavy furniture picking up and loading into trucks, but, uh, but the pay was good for me at the time. And, uh, the work wasn't that bad. I got to stay in shape. It was super physically demanding. And I was studying uh, communications, telecommunications, like broadcast journalism at the University of Florida. I uh, thought I wanted to be a sportscaster, a radio I host. See. And uh, it was a pretty competitive program that I tested into. And like the first day of class, the teacher said, you know, if you want to make $19,000 a year and go live in the middle of nowhere for the first five years of your career and work 14 hour days, then this is the job for you. I was like, man, I don't, that, that doesn't sound like the job for me uh, for that kind of money. Like I could put that much work into my own business and make a lot more money. And so um, I, I just decided to w- finish up that program graduated uh, undergrad in 2012, and I had applied for the entrepreneurship master's degree program at the University of Florida. Uh, I was 21 years old, and part of that program was to start a business. And you had all these teachers and mentors that you were assigned, uh, some successful alumni that were entrepreneurs that offered mentorship. So I was like, you know what? Like this, this is right up my alley. This is really what I want to do this. And it kind of relit that fire underneath me that I had been missing since my baseball playing uh, days were over. And uh, I was like, well, what business am I going to start? And I was like, well, let's try this moving thing. So I because went up I, to that point in time, you were still working for this other uh, company, right? 
Correct. Yeah. And so I, I was like, I got to get the insurance. I got to get the license. I have to have the insurance to get the license. I've got this pickup truck. Um, so I just cold walked into a bunch of different insurance agencies <laughs> as this 21 year old kid with no real business experience, hardly any money to my name. I think I had $600 in my bank account. Um, and maybe some like student loan money that was supposed to go towards textbooks. But, um, but I, I found a guy that was willing to take a, a gamble on me, an insurance broker in Gainesville. Really? And he, he gave me the insurance that I needed and uh, applied for my license and became a, an actual licensed moving company owner with no real moving trucks, just a pickup truck. Um, and I was just doing a lot of the small jobs. I was still advertising on Craigslist, just trying to get the word out through social media, the early days of social media and word of mouth. And uh, I started to get business. And so I, I graduated from that program in 2013. Um, and there was a, actually two college brothers was actually a, a another company that was started mm -hmm. by other students at UF. And I competed against them with my Smarter Moving Solutions company. Company for two summers. And I looked up to this company. They had a really cool brand. And I was like, man, I don't just want to be some small town mover. I want to be a national franchise. I had uh, visions of grandeur, if you will. And I thought that they had a really cool brand. It was exactly the same concept as mine. And I kept one of their flyers on my desk uh, just as motivation. And uh, it looked like they had three locations across the state of Florida, Gainesville, Tallahassee, Orlando. I think they had a location in Miami at one point. It's like, man, how are these kids like scaling so fast? And so I was in a meeting talking to one of my right-hand guys about how we might be able to open another location somewhere. And my phone rang and it was one of the original two college brothers. And he said, Hey, we're looking to do some other things. We want to sell the business. Are you interested? Hmm. And I was just shocked because I'd been idolizing this company. They'd kind of been my role model on what I wanted to do with my company. And uh, and it just came it, out of the blue. You had not had any communication with them prior to No, that. I had never spoken to them before. I didn't even know they knew who I was. And uh, apparently they did. And um, we ended up working out a deal. And I ended up buying the two college brothers brand for uh, a third of what they're originally asking. Just scraped together every penny that I had to, to make it happen. It was only $15,000 at the time. I see. And I took so out you did it all cash is how you bought that. Yeah, I took out a loan from my older oh, brother okay. who, who worked in corporate America. And he's like, I, I was like, you want to invest with me on this? He's like, no, I don't really want to be in the moving industry, but I want to see you succeed. So here's, you know, $15,000 oh, nice. back over three years. And uh, yeah, so I took out the money and, and bought the brand and I was trying to run these two brands next to each other. I thought two mm. college brothers was going to be like my college student moving brand and Smarter mm. Moving Solutions was going to be my corporate brand, my commercial moving and residential moving brand. And I realized that it was really hard to run two competing brands sure. against each other. I had to have two sets of uniforms, two different marketing materials, two websites, two different types of trucks. I was like, well, let's consolidate this. Two College Brothers has been around for a little bit longer. They've built a, a more of a book of business. They have more of a customer list. They're they're getting more leads than Smarter Moving Solution, Solutions was at the time. So decided to consolidate it all under the Two College Brothers brand. My brother worked for me at the time. My fraternity brother worked for me at the time. So I was like, well, we're the new College Brothers, I guess, in town. So um, that was probably, I think we closed on that in the end of 2013, the fall of 2013 and, uh, just ran with it. You know, That's I was great. fresh out of college, still living in a college town, still had a bunch of friends and my network from my fraternity. That would be my employees. And, uh, we just started growing like crazy. And I was like, all right, well, let's, let's get this second location off the ground. And the other two locations that they had weren't real locations. They were just Website virtual landing locations. Pages. Yeah, sure. From, from so, an SEO perspective and marketing perspective, it looked good. Yeah. 
Exactly. So I closed those two down to focus on Gainesville. And then once I felt comfortable, we opened an actual location in Tampa. And I just, every other day I was driving back and forth between Gainesville and Tampa, trying to make these two (laughs) things work. And um, it wasn't until probably 2018, 2019, where our Tampa location really started to, to get a lot of traction and it outgrew our Gainesville location and um, decided to move the headquarters down to Tampa in uh, 2020. I moved to Tampa Bay and uh, just really put all my focus on growing that. And I ended up selling our Gainesville location as a franchise uh, earlier this year. Earlier this year. Okay. So that's your first, we'll come back to, to franchising in a moment, but but going back to this early journey. So did you have any entrepreneurial influences in your family or friends, or was it only, as you were thinking about this, doing it yourself, and then, of course, going through that program. But did you have any of those influences growing up besides you yourself dabbling in entrepreneurship? Yeah, my parents had done a little bit of entrepreneurial activities before I was born, but they were both school teachers, guidance counselors. They worked for the school system. So, you know, we were very uh, uh, middle class income. They didn't have a lot of extra money. And I looked around and a lot of my friends who seemed to have a lot of money and had all the newest baseball equipment and drove the (laughs) nicest cars, their parents owned businesses. And I just remember thinking that, you know, this seems to be a much better path than going and working a corporate job or working for the government or the school system or whatever, like my family had done. So kind of looked up to them. And I learned, you know, that they, a lot of these things that they were getting were tax write-offs. And I learned, you know, I just had all these questions and I tried to just kind of study them and talk to them on how they had started their businesses. And, um, you know, the mentorship was, was really key to my ultimate success. Um, and I, I started reaching out to other moving company owners, which is what started the podcast, uh, to just learn from them and talk to them about, you know, what made them successful in other, other markets. And, um, yeah, so there wasn't a lot of it in my immediate family, but I, I looked around and I saw that the path to financial freedom and and just freedom in general with your time, um, and being able to build your own schedule, it kind of lied in that entrepreneurial journey. Looking back now to the education, particularly the master's. Uh, would you do it that way again? Was do you still see it as valuable in in helping you with your business? You know, that's a that's a great question. I learned more in my first year of business doing it for myself than I learned in all of my college education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had some really good theories, but most of the teachers were just theorists. They, they a lot of them had never actually owned their own small business. A lot of the kids in my classes were wanting to start like the next Facebook or Uber. You know, <laughs> these sexy apps, tech startups. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm starting a moving company. And so I was kind of looked at, you know, from them as like, oh, that's weird. Why would you want to start a moving company? But I'm pretty sure to this day, I'm the only one from that program that uh, is still actively running and growing their own business. That tells you a lot. That tells you a lot. Okay. So you, you shared that, that growth, uh, other than the initial loan from your brother to buy two brothers or two college brothers, have you taken any other outside investment or capital or loans to help grow the business? Yeah, actually, a few of my fraternity brothers invested back in 2015 to help open up our Tampa location. Um, And so uh, I had partnered with them. They were all completely passive. They were friends of mine. um, And uh, they invested about $55,000 back in 2015, which at the time for me was a ton of money. A lot of money. Um, And And they were equity investors or, or just lenders? Yeah, they were equity investors. Um, and uh, I actually just bought them out is earlier right? this year. Yeah. So they did helped you have me when that I provision it. in the agreement from day one, or did they just agree to be bought out? 
No, they just agreed. I made them an offer they couldn't refuse because, you know, I wanted to bet on myself and I realized like they're not really helping me anymore. You know, they were they were supportive. They helped me, you know, early on get that second location started when I needed the money to do it. Um, and, you know, they were always very supportive, but they, they were never involved in the running or the day to day of the business. And I just kind of, you know, got to the point that, you know, I see a really big vision here and I want to, I want it to be mine. So, yeah, yeah. uh, bought them out for a lot more than what they bought in for. So they, sure, they were well, happy. good for them. Yeah. Of course, when you advise people now on that, because this is such a, a critical point, Wade, that you have experience with now, right? Often we bring in partners because of the money but we don't think about eventually wanting to or needing to buy them out. What, what advice do you give people now when they're thinking about bringing in equity investors? Yeah, I would say unless it's just an, an extreme sum of money that'll allow you to do something that you could never like otherwise do on your own, only invest with people that are going to be an expert in your industry that can offer something besides just the money, whether okay. they're going to help you manage the business or they're some, you know, in franchising, for example, if, if a franchise expert approached me and they were going to be hands-on, I would maybe consider that, but I wouldn't want to do it again just for the money. Um, I, I would want them to bring something else to the table. Agreed. I agree with you. That's my philosophy as well. Thanks for sharing that. How long more or less before the business was profitable where you were making, you know, a profit and then being able to pay yourself something. How, how long of a period of time was that? I would say, I mean, before I started to get really comfortable, it probably took me like eight years. Um, I didn't have a roadmap to follow. I was making it. I made every mistake in the book and I tell all prospective <laughs> franchisees, I made all the mistakes so that you don't have to. Um, because if I knew then what I know now, I could I could have gotten the eight years of results in one or two years, probably. Because What were some of those was, key things that you think you would do differently? What are one or two of those key things you would do differently? Yeah, I think it's uh, investing in the right team, uh, being able to delegate and leverage a team has been huge using uh, software and technology. You know, we didn't have a CRM for the first several years, and now we use a CRM that has expedited the business, you know, figuring out how to track marketing expenses, how to you know, know what marketing is working, uh, how to get an ROI on, you know, not just throwing money at all these different things and hoping the phone rings, but but actually having a dialed in marketing report that that tells me where to put marketing dollars and creating the systems and processes. You know, that's that's been huge. Just documenting every single step and every single process for every role in the company and then just providing the ongoing training and support for the team uh, to, to get to the next level and not being afraid to delegate. You know, I was on the trucks all the time for the first several years and yeah. I was doing every position in the company and it wasn't efficient. I was just spinning my wheels. And when I learned that, you know, you can have somebody that just does sales and then you can have somebody that just does operations and then you have the movers that just go out on the trucks and then you just oversee it and you run your business off of meetings and reports with your high level people, uh, you can just get so much more done and it moves the needle so much faster than, than trying to do everything yourself. And, you know, having that mindset of, if you want something done, right, you have to do it yourself. It's just not true. There's people that, I mean, that work for me now that are way better at their jobs than I was when I was doing their jobs. Yeah. Well said. Um, what is generating the, the as far as you can share the, the most leads, what's your top source or one of the top sources of leads for your business? So we try to keep our, our marketing budget, you know, 10% of revenue so that we have a 10% of your projected things. growth revenue, right? So you, do you budget that on, on the beginning of the year or how do you do that? 
Yeah, we typically look at, we have enough uh, data now where we can look at month over month from the previous year and kind of have some cash flow expectations on on where we're going and yeah. what our lead volume increase is looking like from the prior year. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, believe it or not, uh, direct mail has been a really good source for us. We we do direct mail to newly listed and pending homes. Uh, search engine optimization and digital marketing has been huge and getting with the right agencies that can manage your website and get you to rank for key terms and follow people around on social media once they've landed on your website, that that helps a lot. Um, and then we try different stuff all the time and give it about 90 days to see if it's bringing in a return. Uh, this month, we, we partnered up uh, about a year and a half ago with a popular local radio host, and he does a live read endorsement twice a day during his morning show. And uh, and, th- and this month, that has been our largest driver of new wow. business. But over time, the repeat and the referral business, you know, that that just compounds when you sure, do a good job sure. for people. You got to you got to deliver well. Um, yeah. So thanks for being transparent on that. So you do use an, an outsourced digital marketing agency to help you with the digital marketing. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, it took us a while to find a good one. It's not uh, easy. A, it's not. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a long term investment. I mean, especially SEO, search engine optimization. It's not something that you can just turn on and, you know, next month your phone's ringing. I mean, we've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars building out the website and getting that uh, authority with Google so that we ranked for for so many key terms. And I think we had over 400,000 people last year visit our website. Um, and that that's a big testament to our, our ranking. And our franchisees will be able to leverage that as well. Um, because, you know, a two men in a truck, it's, it's the the largest moving company franchise, I think, in the world. They could open up a new location in any market and immediately start ranking. Sure. And that's just because their website is so powerful and they've invested so much into it. And that's something that we're now able to provide to other markets because we've built and made that investment for years. And, um, you know, that's, that's huge. Yeah, no, no doubt. I get, I get that. What do you think sets you apart in the market from a, from a consumer perspective? What, what's your, what's one of your differentiators? Yeah, we're willing to do things that no other moving company is willing to do, such as we have a, a raving fan guarantee. It's basically a money back guarantee. Uh, no moving company is willing to to make a money back guarantee. Here's mm-hmm. so many horror stories of, of moving companies that people have used from you know other companies, and you know by by building that trust and basically saying if you're not happy with the movers that we send out to your house, we'll give you your money back for them. Um, that's been a, a big differentiator, you know, building a culture uh, within our company of growth and winning, uh, you know, honing our skills, just just always looking to get better, our systems and our processes. Uh, most moving companies don't have systems and processes everywhere from the movers to our sales team. And honestly, in our industry, answering the phone in the home services industry, <laughs> if you just answer the phone on the first ring or call somebody as soon as they submit an online quote form, it sets you aside from 70% of your competition. So uh, we have a centralized call center now for our locations that that is on top of that. And we don't miss calls. And if we do happen to miss a call, they're getting called back immediately. They're getting you know their, their quote forms that they fill out on the website responded to right away. Um, and you know the bar is relatively low in the moving industry to succeed because it has such a low barrier to entry. It's easy to sure. get into it, yeah. but it's tough to succeed in it. And and we've figured out a lot of processes from marketing to sales to operations that uh, that work really really well. And I'd say that consistent raving fan experience that we provide on every move is is ultimately uh, our, our biggest differentiator and the guarantee and being able to guarantee that service. Yeah, that's huge. I want to explore that a little bit more. Having having been a consumer of moving services a couple of times here in the last few years, as I moved from Dallas uh, to Florida, 
I can tell you that my experiences were not positive. Now, of course, two different experiences. One was, you know, from one state to the other, and the other one was local, and neither one of them was fantastic. To be able to deliver on this, though, what I've observed is one of the key challenges in this business is the labor, those those guys out there, guys and gals that are doing the moving themselves and maintaining those crews and properly motivating them. How are you accomplishing that, especially nowadays where labor is such a challenge? Yeah. Um, how are you making that work? Yeah, a few different ways. We we prioritize our, our recruiting and our hiring just like we do with marketing. We have a budget that goes towards uh, making sure that we're posting ads on all the different platforms, and we actively look to recruit people. And when we have good people that join our team, a lot of times they end up bringing their friends over because they might be working for another moving company. They leave that company, and then they bring over all their best you know contacts that they had at that company because of the culture that we've built within our company. We try to make it a fun place to work. You know, sometimes moving isn't fun. It's not no. the most sexy industry. It's tough work, right. but, um, but just really having an active approach to hiring and recruiting, not just waiting for somebody to fill out an application and, you know, going through that process. Like you used to be able to do that, but in today's day and age, it's, yeah. it's tough. It's tough to get people to drive trucks. Is and, it fair that, that it's also, you're attracting a worker that it's not realistic to think they're going to be with you for 10 years. Is that fair? Or are you, are you not, are you seeing the opposite of that? In other words, yeah, it we, typically attracts a, uh, healthier, and I'm generalizing, younger, maybe people that are in between things like you were when you were in college. Is that fair or not? Yeah. And, and we try to provide a path to advancement for everybody. You know, we just had a meeting where I talked to all the movers and said, hey, you know, you might just be a mover right now, but you have an opportunity to move up in our company as we grow and grow with us. Most of our sales team, most of our operations team were, were movers at one point. I our see. franchisee was a mover at one point. Love and we that. want to be able to offer whether they want a career path where they have a job in sales or operations or finance or marketing. You know, we want to be able to have a, a path there. Or if they have more of that entrepreneurial spirit, we want to be able to have a path there where they can one day own their own franchise. And I think that helps with retention a lot and just giving people opportunities to grow with the company. Is the compensation somehow in alignment with this guarantee? Uh, in other words, is my pay impacted in any way uh, if my if the client isn't satisfied? Yeah, I'm big on performance pay. Everybody, for the most part in our company, gets some sort of a bonus. You know, whether it's the movers, whether it's the sales team, operations, everybody is is motivated. And I found that uh, high performers love performance pay. Low performers just want a steady, safe, and secure paycheck. So by having that that tied to performance pay, we tend to attract better people that that want to win and they want to make make their own money. They want to forge their own path. Um, so yeah, I mean, we still have to pay minimum, uh, you know, minimum wage at least. So we can't, you know, if we have to refund a customer, sometimes we have to eat it. We still have to pay that crew, uh, but they may not get their bonus. And so we try to incentivize people. We have weekly, daily, monthly spiffs for, you know, sales goals and mover, we call them brother bucks where they get an extra dollar an hour for providing a great service. And then if they don't, then they don't get that extra dollar an hour. Uh, we incentivize people on getting five-star Google reviews and they also get tips a lot of the time on jobs. So they're kind of motivated from, uh, for servicing that customer in a positive way so that they can hopefully get a better tip out of the job as a mover. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I always try to tie some sort of performance pay to every role that we create. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. This is Henry Lopez with a brief break from this episode to share a special offer from our new show sponsor, Zinch. 
Zinch has been providing fast and convenient financing solutions for small business owners since 2004. Running a successful small business requires developing partnerships, especially partners who can provide the financing you need to run and grow your business. That's why you need Zinch, a direct lender tailored to small and medium-sized businesses that makes loans simple, fast, and flexible. And Zinch can approve up to $250,000 in under two days. With Zinch, you don't have to wait months like you may have to for a traditional bank loan. Whether you're dealing with unplanned equipment repairs, a big bill you didn't expect, or the cost of expanding and hiring new employees, Zinch knows you must act fast, and their specialists will help you choose the best solutions for your needs. There are no commissions or third-party approvals, so Zinch can give you better rates, faster approvals, and keep your information secure. Get financing the easy way with Zinch. And for a limited time, Zinch is waiving your application fees for my listeners. That's a $250 value. Just visit financingthatworks.com to learn more. That's financingthatworks.com. Loans made or arranged pursuant to a California finance lender's law license. All right, let's kind of look at it from a different perspective. If I'm if I'm thinking about starting a business or starting a new business, and exploring the moving industry from your perspective now, what are some of the advantages that you see this industry can provide a business owner? Yeah, well, I think people are always going to need movers. I mean, we were actually getting a yeah. truck wrap that says uh, uh, chat GPT. Let's see, what, what are we going to put on it? It's going <laughs> to say Ch chat GPT won't move your boxes. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, I don't see that going away anytime soon. You know, maybe we'll have self-driving vehicles at some point in the near future that, that could be, you know, that could eliminate some, some jobs there, but ultimately mm -hmm. as a business owner, um, you know, that, that takes away some liability, assuming that the self-driving vehicle is reliable. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, that's, I, I don't see it going away and in any kind of an economy, people are either upsizing or downsizing. They need storage. People just have a lot of stuff and being able to offer the storage allows us to create a lot of passive income as well um, as the as the moving income on a day to day basis. And, and we're doing a big focus on commercial real estate right now, too, because the housing market is a little unpredictable for the foreseeable future with interest rates rising. It hasn't, in fact, affected us here in Florida that much, but mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it won't eventually. Uh, so we're ready to ready to get into the commercial side of things, too. You know, landlords get a lot more aggressive with being willing to pay for moving expenses and being able to uh, get people into their building. So we're making those connections now, home I builders, see. you know, Florida is a very fast growing state and, um, you know, it's, it's very recession resistant if you do it right. Okay. Excellent. And so you got a storage component to it as well. Is that just, as I've experienced it before, like when we moved here is a perfect example, you know, we, our stuff would come, but we're not ready to have it moved in somewhere. So is it just temporary storage or are you also getting into longer term storage? Yeah, I mean, we'll store people's things for as long as they need it to be stored. We have really? people that have been with us for years in storage. And sometimes it's just a few things. It might just be a room of furniture that they can't fit or some family heirlooms or something that they don't have room for in their garage. And they just want it you know, safe and secure, tucked away for when they're ready for it. Uh, sometimes people go travel the world for six or 12 months and they just need to put their stuff up. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different different reasons people store but yeah we'll we'll do it any anywhere for one night of storage to a week to a month to a year multiple years interesting on the flip side what are, what are some of the common misconceptions or challenges in this industry that if i'm looking to get into it i need to be aware of 
Yeah. So, you know, moving, not all movers are the same. I think some people have this idea that, uh, you know, moving, they don't want to pay more for moving because uh, they could do it themselves or all moving companies are a commodity. And it's just Mm. really not true. I mean, there comes a point where you physically can't move yourself and not all moving companies are the same. There's so many, like I had mentioned before, it's a relatively low barrier to entry industry to get into, but it's tough to succeed in it. So you do have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to follow the right systems, processes, know where to put your marketing dollars. And you have to be good with people because you're, it's a people-driven business. You're dealing with a lot of customers that are going through a stressful time in their life. Right. And you're dealing with a lot of you know people that, that are your, your working capital, so to speak. I mean, we don't have a, a storage inventory of, mm. of stuff that we're selling. Our, our cost of goods sold is reliant on the labor that we're selling. So um, that, that is you know, leadership skills and, and just being able to talk to people, to have good salesmanship, both for customers, but for being able to recruit and motivate your team. Um, those, those are definitely things that uh, are really important skill sets to succeed in our industry. So, you know, it, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, it is a fairly tough industry, but with the systems and processes that we've developed and the, and the way that we do business with our, our team delegation and delegating certain roles, uh, we've, I think, figured out the secret sauce to being able to succeed in this industry, which is why we waited so long to franchise, because I wanted to make sure that we had the whole entire process reverse engineered to ultimately be able to provide the best and most consistent service that's available on the market. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. And and so we talked about the labor, you've applied technology, you've got the marketing dialed in. All of those are components that, that you're helping us overcome. If I'm interested in a franchise, you, you've spoken to the low barrier to entry. I got to think that that one of the things that always creates in any industry is a pricing pressure. So, so, how do you manage then to differentiate yourself on value and other components and not resort to, which I think is what you were alluding to, that people get themselves in trouble with, to just undercutting? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a cheaper mover. We don't even want, that's not our customer, if you're looking for the cheapest moving service. Mm-hmm. We, we have premium pricing because you have to be able to make money and make some profit in this Do industry. You, you communicate that even from from day one in your branding, you somewhat communicate that to, to help people self-qualify, that, that the, you're not the pricing leader and that's not what you're communicating. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I honestly like to be one of the highest priced companies in our market because people associate price with value a lot of the time. And, you know, people can have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of furniture. Is that really worth saving a few hundred bucks to get relocated? I mean, between the time, the headache, the potential for damages that come with it. Um, So, you know, we're going to take care of your stuff. We have brand new trucks, brand new equipment. We pay guys a higher wage to attract a a higher caliber of talent. And we have a full support team that is going to guide, take the customer by the hand and guide them through the entire moving process. It's the third most stressful time behind death and divorce in a person's life when they're relocating. And by being able to put everything under one roof from the moving to the storage, to the packing, the unpacking, we can even do organizing or receiving if you're buying all new furniture or a bunch of new furniture for your home. Uh, you know, we, we, we do it all under one roof and just take that stress out of it and just provide a higher quality experience because you're letting people into your home around your family, your pets, your belongings, your prized possessions. And if, if you're a customer that's just looking to, you know, get the absolute cheapest cost on that, then you're not our customer. We want somebody who values, you know, that, 
that sees that there is a difference there. Um, so yeah, we, you know, it's part of our branding. We never claim to be the cheapest, but we do claim to provide the best value for our customers. And that's why we offer the guarantee. If they, if they're not happy with our services, there's no risk. We'll give you your money back. Got it. All right. From a franchising perspective, you mentioned you've got one franchising unit now. Is that correct? That's that's live and operating or? That's correct. Yeah. We we just started franchising within the last year. We're trying to focus our franchising efforts mostly in Florida and the Southeast to start so that I can offer hands-on support with uh, the the franchisees from the beginning. We were just, I actually just had our Gainesville franchisee down yesterday. We took him out on the boat, uh, entertained him and his wife. And, uh, you know, I want to be able to get in a car or get on a quick plane ride and go help that franchisee out, you know, be here at least for our, our first 10 or 12 franchisees offer that one-on-one support with them and teach them all the things I've learned from mentorship and just from doing it over the last 11 years. Um, and, and so that they don't have to make the same mistakes that I made. Um, so we really want to take over kind of our region first. And that means more branded trucks driving around the road. That's We've right. moved people all over the country and all over the state. So we have a customer list all over the country and all over the state that we can remarket to when it comes time mm-hmm. for them to move again. And uh, that's, that's where we're going to start. But ultimately we want to take over the entire country and have franchises in every major city. I, I, I so in alignment with you in agreement to start regionally, uh, not that I've done it before, but having been, having owned franchises, having advised so many people on franchises, I see that as often a mistake that franchisors will make is to sell these units all over the world, all over the country for that matter. And then you don't have that synergy at least to start with. And you don't have that, that brand synergy if nothing else, which is so powerful, which is part of what I'm understanding is one of your differentiators, right? So being mm-hmm. able to plug into that is very important. If I open a franchise in California, I'm not going to get much of that effect, at least not initially of the brand. And so that's a critical component. Um, so I think that makes sense. What makes for in your mind at this point, an ideal franchisee? What are some of those characteristics or experience that someone needs to have in your assessment to be an ideal franchisee? Well, the capital is definitely going to be uh, a sticky point because you'll have to, you know, we want you to, to have our, our brand standards in mind with newer trucks. We want you to have a, an established office that you can do your interviews and your training or entertain clients at. Um, you know, the big thing that, that, is another benefit to franchising is the leverage. You mentioned mm-hmm. brand leverage. You know, there's marketing leverage uh, with our, our the power of our website and our social media presence and everything that goes into that. But there's also purchasing power and whether it comes to insurance, whether it comes to buying trucks or equipment. We have really good relationships with all the different people, and then we have a centralized call center and centralized customer service support. We call it our chief of raving fans or our raving fan client happiness department, so that we can provide consistency when it comes to the customer service. If there's a damage claim, we have a uniform way that we handle it to make sure that if the customer may not, you know, have had a perfect experience that they can still walk away a raving fan at the end of the experience. So as a Uh, franchisee, does that, I'm paying for that, but does that call center handles or helps me handle that for me? Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. They handle customer service. We also book jobs for you. So you don't have to go out and spend mm-hmm. six figures hiring a salesperson right out right. of the gate. Right. Uh, we, we book moves while you sleep or while you work on growing your business in your community. And then as I grow, I probably add business development people to help me further develop those opportunities and relationships locally. Is that fair? 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We call it our hometown Titan strategy. You know, we give you the, the roadmap, the templates, everything you need to get out in your community to do realtor presentations, to make the right connections, you know, who to go after, who to connect with in your town um, and, and how to get the phone to start ringing. And then when it rings, you know, you can book it yourself if it's calling you directly or you can go to our call center so that you don't miss those calls and we'll book it for you. And, uh, you know, ultimately keep your, your schedule full so that you can hire the best people and get out in your community and make the best connections. So what is that typical investment range? What are we talking about there range-wise? Yeah, so uh, with the franchise fee, the trucks, the entire setup, you're looking at a minimum investment around $115,000 to do it right. Um, you know, that could go all the way up to $380,000 if you want to get fully involved with the storage. It also depends how aggressive you want to be. I mean, we have a million-dollar guarantee with our franchise business. I'm big on guarantees, if you can't tell. Mm -hmm. um, basically, what that means is if you follow our formula, within three years, you'll gross a million dollars in annual revenue, and probably a lot sooner than that. You know, it could depend a little bit on your market and your initial investment. But if you don't get to a million dollars in annual revenue within your first three years, uh, then we'll refund your franchise fee and give you the opportunity to walk away. Uh, or you can stay I, don't, at it. I don't know that I've heard that from any other franchise. And it just kind of comes down to uh, separating ourselves, you know, a mm -hmm. unique selling proposition, a differentiator from other moving franchises. And that's really how confident we are in our process and our, our hometown Titan strategy and our systems. All right. I want to go back to you because I, I kind of led you astray, but that ideal franchisee, what, what characteristics or experience do you see or you're looking for? Yeah. Somebody who's worked in corporate America has a little bit of savings, but knows how to work, who wants to go into a business for themselves, but not be by themselves, get all the coaching and support. They don't need to have any moving experience whatsoever. We teach them everything that they need to know. Um, but somebody who wants to take over their, their, their hometown, you know, we want them to be a Titan of industry in their market. We want them to be their leading moving company in their market. So they need to have kind of an aggressive, you know, mindset. Uh, they want to grow their own business, create their own life, freedom, fin become financially free, be able to take the vacations with their families. Um, so, you know, there's, it's hard work, but, but you also get to play hard too. Yeah. And, you know, somebody who vibes with our culture, who's focused on providing a good customer service and somebody who's competitive, uh, you know, those are all key aspects. And, you know, you could have a hire a manager or a managing partner that would invest with you. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be involved in the business every day. In fact, we want you to get to a point where you're not involved in the business every day and that you work on the business rather than in the business. Um, but you do need to be a little bit aggressive and you need to be willing to uh, to do what it takes to be the market leader. So that's that's really who we want to join our organization so that we can lift up all of the franchise network uh, um, uh, franchisees. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. We, we touched on the uh, podcast, grow your moving company podcast, which I find is a great resource for people who even existing uh, moving business owners to learn more, to understand more about this, this industry. Uh, you also do something called moving Titan retreats. Just tell me briefly what that is and who that's for. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've tried to create this ecosystem in the moving industry. We want to be known as the most respected moving company in the market. And the way the podcast started was me just picking up the phone and trying to get some mentorship from existing successful moving company owners. And I learned a ton from talking to these people and bringing them onto the podcast and built some excellent relationships. And that led to the formation of Moving Titan Retreats, which is a mastermind community for moving company owners around the country, around North America. We've had people from Canada come down and basically multiple times a year, we get together with a group of ambitious moving company owners and talk moving. We learn from each other. We try to figure out the next 
best thing, the best technology. Uh, it helps us build relationships with the vendors that we use from technology vendors to, like I said before, the, the even suppliers, you know, box people who sell boxes and moving equipment and materials. Uh, so it really just opens doors to connect us with the industry, to learn from one another and to ultimately lift each other up because your network, it, your network is your net worth and you are the five people that, that you surround yourself with. And we want to create that mastermind effect with the moving Titan retreats uh, as well and just hold each other accountable. We talk almost every day with the, the different moving Titans that have come out to our retreats and ultimately want to build the franchise network to where we can have our own mastermind community within sure. where we can all help each other grow and hold each other accountable for growth. That's wonderful. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. Wade, is there, a, is there a book that comes to mind that you've read recently or in the past that you would recommend? Yeah, I'm big on reading. There's several of them. The most recent one I just read is called Elevate by Tommy Mello. And he is on his way to building a billion dollar home service business in the garage door industry. And it's all about attracting and recruiting uh, the, the best team, a winning team, the right kind of culture, uh, touches on marketing strategies and stuff like that, too. But Tommy Mello's Elevate has, uh, I've got my whole team reading it right now. Yeah, it's so it speaks to a lot of the book. things that obviously you've applied for, as I was asking you about your labor and how you keep people motivated and attract the right people. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm a big Dan Kennedy fan as well. If you've, if you've ever heard of Dan Kennedy, sure. the No BS series, uh, No BS Guide to Direct Response Marketing for Non-Direct Response Businesses, No BS Marketing to the Affluent. I mean, he's got a whole line of these No BS books, but Dan Kennedy's another big influential author that uh, I've got his entire library of books at my home. They're, they're, all, they're all great. So yeah, great. a couple, couple there, but I could, I could go on about yeah, books no, all imagine. day. Those are great recommendations. <laughs> I appreciate that. We'll have I'll have a link to those on the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. All right, we'll wrap it up, Wade. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation? Maybe let's do it in two parts. One is just the movie industry in general. Uh, if I'm thinking about this might be the industry that I want to explore as an entrepreneur or as a business owner, what, what's one takeaway that you want us uh, to take from this conversation? Yeah, just, you know, whether you're getting into the moving industry or any business, there's going to be setbacks. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, and you just got to persist. You know, you can't lose if you don't give up. Eventually, you're going to figure it out. I mean, like I mentioned before, it took me probably eight years after making all the mistakes uh, to figure it out and and just getting the mentorship and the guidance that you need uh, to not only like stay motivated every single day, but just to learn the shortcuts in business. You know, there there's no magic bullet, but there's definitely a lot of shortcuts. And there's a lot of things that uh, can expedite your growth and, and, and becoming a better leader and building the right kind of a team and, and setting up your systems and processes so that you can provide a consistent service, whether you're baking cookies or whether you're moving furniture. Um, you know, you want to get it so granular to the point where you could pull a high school kid out and, and he could learn it in a week if he applies himself. Um, that That is a huge uh, secret to success is just documenting every little process so that you as the owner don't have to do other people's jobs. You can delegate those things. And if you lose somebody, you can easily replace them and onboard the next person. And I think that's the best way to grow. Uh, so seek out mentorship, develop systems and processes and, uh, you know, look for, look for those shortcuts that other successful people that you want to be like have already done and, and have proven to be successful happens. Well said, well said. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why, franchising is often going the route of a franchise often makes a lot of sense. So just briefly summarize for me, why, why should people consider your franchise to college brothers moving in storage? 
Yeah, well, we're going to take over the country. You know, it's you, it's an opportunity to get in on the ground floor. Um, you know, we've got very competitively priced franchise fees and commission royalties right now, uh, and and just that that guarantee that we offer. You know, we're so confident in our systems and our processes that if you apply it and you follow the recipe, uh, you'll be successful in a matter of months. You know, we have the three-year million-dollar guarantee that nobody else is offering right now, and it's a great opportunity to to get involved with a winning culture and uh, you know some lofty ambitious goals to uh to, to really take over not only florida the southeast but also the entire country excellent and where should we go online to learn more yeah so you can always visit our website it's just two collegebrothers.com it's the number two uh you can check check out our instagram page uh, you can follow me at wade swichel you can follow at two college brothers moving um two college brothers underscore moving um and uh and that that'll be a great start you can also check out the podcast and just hear the conversations i've had with other moving company owners but um but i'd say connect with me on social media and uh and check out our website and learn a little bit more about about our industry and, and what we're what we're bringing out there wonderful i'll have a link if you're listening on the go as many of you are if you go to the notes on whatever app you're listening to this episode on, you'll see a link that'll take you directly to the show notes page for this episode. And then there I'll have the links to all of Wade's sites to make it easy for you to find that. Wade, a uh, great conversation. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for the inspiration. Thanks for being so transparent uh, on how you're doing it and, and the things that you went through. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun and it was great to get to know you and I'll keep listening to your podcast as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is Henry Lopez and thanks for joining me for this episode of the How of Business. My guest again today was Wade Swickle. I release episodes every Monday morning and you can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including our YouTube channel and the website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.